I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Way back, years ago, more than a decade ago, at the start of my redirected life path, meaning when I was a single mom with two young boys at home and newly divorced, even then I was drawn to metaphysical bookstores and their contents, meaning all the accoutrement of the stores, the books, the smells, the energy of the people, all of it. I may have mentioned before that one of the first books I ever read of this kind was The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. Even then, looking at energy from the perspective of my frenemy, science, felt right to me, or more accurately from the place of quantum physics, as Mr. Zukov did. While some I've talked to about this book felt quite differently than I did, His writing about a communal sixth sense resonated so strongly with me that even then, I understood the guidance in that vibration. Keep in mind that I had received the diagnosis of MS for my body about seven or eight years earlier and was just recently, to a certain extent at that point in time, on the path of learning to dance with what felt at the time a partner who always wanted to lead and continually stepped on my feet. We've not quite gotten it right, this partner and I, over the years, and even now, the minute shifts on either side of our parts leads to sometimes a stumble or three. And still, we both keep on dancing together, the whole point after all. Gaining well-being in the midst of seeming dismantling, which, when you think about it, is life on this fixed planetary design. Just like many of you, awareness comes, as I heard recently through the universe with the greatest contrast. And the full clairaudient message was, the greater the contrast, the greater the light. At one particular bookstore on the west side of Denver called, at that point in time, Journey Books, I was on their mailing list. There definitely are some mailing lists I like being on, and others definitely not so much. This one was a big yes for me. Keep in mind that this was also before standard internet, so most of the mailers were in snail mail format. As research says that household internet wasn't until between 2005 to 2010, which, given the ages of my sons, sounds about right. So it was just at the beginning of 2000-ish that I would have had my curiosity peaked as well as felt a probably latent resonance with the six-month-long course offered by Journey Books about spirituality. 
I honestly can't remember the name of the course. I think certainly spirituality was in there, and likely it was the description of the course that would have sealed the deal. There would have been words about growing my own spirituality, understanding my own life path, the sorts of statements that appeal to those of us who may perceive there's more to this one life of which we're conscious in the moment would appeal. I wasn't working at the time due to the MS and was beginning to get a hint that perhaps there were other ways than being what society thought was a productive member to actually becoming an even more productive member. In short, I knew that I was here to serve others, and I didn't really have a clue about how to go about that. And to a certain extent, I freely admit that I still don't. Some appearances to the contrary, because every single day, which is what is necessary, holds some moments of awareness with which I can cleave more closely to my soul path, so that I can be more as the animals be in partnership, balance, and unity with the human experience lit up from the inside with my own light that I brought with me to this earth, just like all of you. As part of this six-month-long course, there was a list of books that we were to read from month to month, not an easy task for some who also had jobs in addition to perhaps their roles as parent or grandparent, to be sure. Along with these books to be read were essays on the book, not long, one to two pages as I remember, submitted from month to month. There were daily exercises, if you will, like meditation, the candle exercise, which I'll talk about in just a bit, the recalling of five things each day for five in a row, and fairly early on, there was the no blaming, justifying, or defending anything to anyone practice. As you might imagine, this last one was a doozy. It remains, though, actually one of the guiding tenets in my life path and human experience some, as I said, 25 plus years later, as well as a foundational principle in the Animals I've Used Academy Immersion Course. The candle exercise that I mentioned earlier is one that I think I've shared before, And it also is the very structure upon which to begin to build a mastery of thought and emotion, and more specifically, how to respond to the body's messages that it offers to you. Whether or not to entertain the thought or emotion being offered by the body is what the candle exercise allows you to experience. You light a candle, and for five minutes a day, you focus on the candle while also being aware of any thought or emotion that pulls your focus away from the candle flame, which, of course, is constantly moving in the whole point. It could be any thought or emotion that pulls focus. Say you're sitting in your kitchen and the refrigerator ice maker turns on. You can either choose to hear and recognize that sound or merely be aware of that noise. If you're aware of the noise, the candle flame stays at the center of your focus while the noise in the background just happens. Hearing the sound means that you are now focused away from the candle and on the refrigerator. It happens really fast, so that's why only five minutes a day is needed for this one. 
Gradually, you build up the ability to be aware of only what you want to be aware of in the middle of what may sometimes be noise in the background. In reality and in the building up over time, it could even be chaos happening all around you, yet you master and you select upon what you are going to be focused. The blame, justify, and defend is just a bit harder. I do remember specifically that from our initial class of about 15, over half had dropped out after one week of the blame, justify, and defend practice. One woman said, it's just too hard to do. We started off with an hour and then a couple of hours and then a day and then two days and so on. As beings in human experience, we have created structures built on duality that we perceive as reality as opposed to the unity and balance and partnership that all animals perceive. It is so easy for us to blame, justify, or defend a lot to everyone. It could be, I was late for work because my alarm didn't go off, I couldn't find my car keys, and I missed all the lights getting there. It could be, well, you made me angry at you, and you always do this, and so I felt like it was okay for me to tell you to F off. It could be, I didn't do what you asked me to do because I think it works better this way, and as I'm an equal partner in this house and in this relationship, I can do what I want even though I know you don't like it. And on and on it goes. Big ways, small ways, roundabout ways, blame, justify, and defend happens. We do it to our animals as well. It could be, Fluffy didn't use her litter box again because I didn't have time to clean it out and you know it has to be pristine for her. It could be, Fido pulled me down during our walk yesterday and I haven't had the time to train him not to do that like the trainer said to do and I just hate it when he does that anyway. We likely do it to our plants too. It could be, Why can't the violets be watered from the top down like all the rest of my plants? Why do they have to be so difficult for me to take care of? It could be, I told the bugs that the tomato plants didn't need them this year, and yet here they are again. Why aren't they listening to me? I agree that some of these examples may seem extreme. And yet, some of you listening may also feel a bit of a pinch, like from a well-intentioned fairy, when hearing them with the truth striking a bit too close to home. It's quite insidious, this blame, justify, and defend, because we all too easily abdicate, at times, our own choices for how we are reacting, keyword, to what is happening in our reality. It is much easier, we perceive, to have somebody else take the blame, which is where the micro-soul theft issue comes into play. I've talked about soul retrieval and trauma before, and perhaps as well soul theft, and maybe in a couple weeks I'll do a longer podcast on soul theft. Basically, soul and body are one on this planet, and when trauma occurs, both big and small, the soul chooses to continue on or not. And if it wants to continue, it can leave a sort of GPS energy piece that resonates with the trauma so that the soul can continue unimpeded. And until such time that the planetary experience partner, i.e. either animal or human, can say to this separated energy piece, temporarily separated, 
It's safe to come home. Nothing like that will ever happen to you again. The microsoul theft occurs with blame, justify, and defend because when you blame, justify, or defend your own choices to another soul, you drag them into the mess and you are taking from them on a micro level soul essence in order to make you feel better, which is usually the intention behind soul theft anyway. So saying someone else made you act in a certain way is soul theft. Saying that the dog pulled you down because you hadn't trained them not to do that is soul theft. Saying that the violets are making plant care harder for you is soul theft. And on and on it goes. If you're the one being taken from, you may very well feel it at the time. A vague sort of uncomfortable feeling of, hey, wait a minute, this isn't mine to fix, so why am I being given the burden to do so? And it may also be part and parcel of an established dynamic in a relationship or in your life to consistently feel fear at being accountable for your choices because you're afraid someone might actually get to see who you are. Covert narcissism ring a bell at this point? I remember the first time I used the not blaming, justifying, defending with success, and it actually coincided nicely with my part-time job at the time working at a bakery. I was called into the office of the wife of the owner of the bakery, and she stated that she had gotten some feedback. Oh, and my HR alarm signal sounded off at that one, (laughs) that I wasn't greeting customers in a happy way when they walked through the front doors. And while it's their business that they get to make those requirements of how staff are greeting their customers, I was still mistrustful of the use of the word feedback, as I said. So as I had finished going through the course at that point in time, I thought about my choices in both thought and emotion. I could ask for information about the feedback. I could argue. I could deny it. I could say that's not happening and more. And I thought about not blaming, justifying, or defending anything. So I didn't. My response was simply, I'll do better. And she could have been knocked over with a feather, y'all. I felt the energy shift as she collected herself for a breath or two and actually said out loud, I didn't think that would be your response. I just gave her a smile, asked if there was anything else, and then I left. And inwardly, I was thinking to myself the whole time, oh, I'm certain that wasn't what you expected or in fact wanted. My sense was she had been gearing up for at the very least an argument and in redirecting my energy to a different response, she was forced to follow my lead. And she also wasn't allowed to blame me for whatever perception anyone else had about my demeanor or words or anything which would have been a micro-soul theft. To be clear, you could be the sunniest and most cheerful person on the planet, and you could still piss someone off because you are not in charge of how anyone else feels or what they think. There's such empowerment in that if we really grab hold of it like the animals do. Because as with the candle exercise, truly looking inwardly and understanding the catalyst for every thought and emotion we have 
that usually doesn't feel good, we can at the very least decrease a good amount of blaming, justifying, and defending of anything to anyone, most importantly to ourselves. There is such comfort in knowing yourself in all of the contrast that exists in perfect measure, to be very clear, alongside the light that it's simply not necessary to blame, justify, or defend anything when you are that comfortable. Because you see the beauty of the contrast as redirecting you back to what feels good so that it no longer feels good to blame, justify, and defend. It may actually start to feel awkward and unnatural because then you'll be at the point of unity with all facets of beautiful, gloriously imperfect you. And with deep compassion, you are only interested in being better for you. At least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service and to schedule online via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy and online psychic fairs. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.